We're going to go back to that passage in Ezekiel that Adam led us in reading a moment ago, Ezekiel chapter 22. In that chapter, God is pronouncing his judgment, his punishment on his own people. We read verse 29 as to what the people are done, and I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But you have to go back to verses 26, 27, and 28 to see that the leaders of that time were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. It says in those verses that the priest violated the law and profaned the holy things, the things that they were supposed to protect, they profaned. It says the princes shed blood to get dishonest gain. In other words, they killed people to take their possessions. And it says the prophets... uh, they, they prophesied falsely. They said, God said this, and God really didn't say it. And because of that lack of leadership, the people in verse 29, and we read this, uh, Ezekiel names their sins. He said they, they used oppression. They exercised robbery. They vexed the poor and needy, and they oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And so because of the lack of leadership and because of what the people did, God was getting ready to punish his people. He was getting ready to to, to pour out his judgment on his own people. But he says in verse 30, he says, but there's a chance to avoid the judgment. He says, I'm looking for a man to stand in the gap. You see, God always puts a hedge of protection around his people. But sin sometimes causes a gap in that protection. And God says, I'm getting ready to pour out my judgment on my people, and I'm I'm, going to pour it through this gap in the hedge that I put around them, and I'm looking for a man to stand in that gap so that I don't have to punish my people. God looks, and the sad thing is, he says, I can't find anybody. I can't find anybody to fill in that gap, so I'm going to have to mete out my judgments. I'm going to have to pour out my judgments on my own people. I want to remind you this morning that God's always the same. God never changes. He always looks for somebody to stand in the gap so that he doesn't have to pour out his judgment on sin. It's true in the very first chapters of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 6, when God looked at the world and saw a wicked world. In fact, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, the Bible says, Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. In other words, when God looked at the world, he saw a world full of people that did anything they thought. And what they thought was wicked. What they thought was evil. And God says, anything they they think of, they can do, and it's all evil. I'm going to pour out my judgment on the world. But he looked for a man to stand in the gap. He looked for somebody to provide a way of escape. And the Bible says in that chapter that he did find one man, a man named Noah. A man, the Bible says, that walked with God. God said to Noah, Noah, I'm going to destroy the world, but 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 I want to provide a way of escape. So I want you to make a boat. I want you to make an ark. And on that ark, I want you to make room for all the animals. I'm going to have you take two of the, un- unclean, two of the unclean animals, seven of the clean animals, so to preserve them. But I, and I want you to make room on the ark for everybody that wants to get on. I want you to make room for them to have a way of safety to avoid my judgment. 
And again, God gave Noah the the dimensions of the ark, and it it was a big ship, a big boat. And I believe that that if anybody else besides Noah and his family had decided to get on the ark to avoid the punishment of God, there would have been room for them. There would have been room for them. Took Noah over a hundred years to build that ark. And every day he invited somebody to get on it with him. Every day he preached about the judgment of God. He warned the people that the judgment of God was coming. And God, as he always does when he's about to pour out his judgment on sin, provided a way of escape in the ark. Sadly, only uh, eight people got on the boat before it started to rain. Only Noah, his wife, his three sons, and his three daughter-in-laws. But that was because the people decided not to believe God. The people not decided not to take the warning of God. There was room on the ark. There was salvation on the ark. But they decided not to get on. And everybody who breathed, everybody that had, that, 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 that had lungs that took in air, died that day in the flood as a result of the judgment of God. Later on in the book of Genesis, we see God acting in the same way. In Genesis chapter 18, God looked down at two cities, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He saw wicked sin. He saw the sin of sodomy. He saw the sin of homosexuality. And he says, I'm going to destroy those cities. I'm going to pour out my judgment on those cities. But God, as he always does, looks for a man to stand in the gap. He looks for somebody to, 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 to stand in that place between the, the, the judgment of God and, and the people. In this particular case, there was a man named Abraham. Abraham had a nephew called Lot that was living in Sodom. And Abraham, when he found out what God was going to do, stood in the gap and said, God, what if there's righteous people? What if there's good people in these cities? Will you destroy them along with the wicked? What if there's 50 good people in the city of Sodom? Will you still destroy it? And God said, and by the way, I think God liked this. I think God God loves it when people stand in the gap. God said, no, Abraham, if I find 50, I'll spare the city. Abraham said, well, if there's only five missing, what if there's 45? Will you destroy it if there's 45? You know the story as well as I do. God said, no, I'll spare it for 45. I'll spare it for 40. I'll spare it for 30. Abraham continued to stand in a gap. What if there's only 20? I'll spare it for 20. Abraham says, what if there's only 10? Would you spare it for 10? And again, I think God enjoyed I think God enjoyed this discussion with Abraham. Yeah, Abraham, if I find ten righteous people, I'll hold back my judgment. I'll let you stand in the gap. I'll let you stop the punishment that I'm going to pour on those two cities. But again, unfortunately, when God took the count, there were only three righteous people that lived in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot and his two daughters. And even though the conditions weren't met, God allowed the angels to pull Lot and his two daughters out of the city before he rained fire and brimstone on uh, those cities and destroyed them. I want to tell you something today. God is still in the looking business. He looks down at our world today and he sees that it's a wicked place Wait a minute. I don't want to just stop there. I want to make it more personal. I want to tell you this morning that God looks down at us. God looks down at us as individuals. And God sees our sin. 
The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you might say this morning, wait a minute, preacher, this is my first time here. You don't even know me. I may not be perfect, but I'm not a bad person. How can you say that I'm a sinner? How can you say that I've fallen short of God's glory? I'm not saying it. God is. You see, the glory of God is his son, Jesus Christ. And so the standard of God is perfection. You might be a pretty good person. You might be a good person. But when we compare ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, every single one of us come up short. We're sinners And again, it doesn't take many sins to make a person a sinner. The Bible says if we offend or break the law in one point, that we are guilty of all. And so we stand uh, uh, under the judgment of God as sinners, and 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 he's ready to pour down his punishment. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, not physical death, where, where, where where our soul is separated from our body, but spiritual death, where we are separated from our creator God. In the Garden of Eden, God told Adam and Eve, don't eat of the fruit. Eat the fruit, you're going to die. Well, they ate the fruit. They didn't die physically right away, but they died spiritually. God had to cast them out of the garden. God had to separate himself from sinful man. That's the punishment for sin. And God today, he sees our sin. He says, I'm going to pour out my punishment. I'm going to pour out my wrath. I'm going to pour out my condemnation on sin. He says, I'm looking for somebody to stand in the gap. I'm looking for somebody to stop me from pouring out the the judgment on sin. I'm looking for somebody to make up the hedge so that I don't have to pour out my judgment. In this particular case... There's no man that can do that. But there is a God-man that can. That God-man was God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that he left heaven. He became a man. He was tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin. And then God allowed humanity to take his only begotten son, hang him on a cross. And as he hung on that cross, God took all of my sin, everyone, my sin, not in part, but in whole, and every one of your sins, and put them on his son. And as Jesus bled on Calvary, as Jesus died on Calvary, he paid the price for all of our sins. I don't know about you, I can get excited about that. He paid the price for every one of my sins. Every single one of them is under the blood of Jesus Christ. A way of escape. He stands in the gap. He offers each of us a way to avoid God's judgment. In Acts chapter 16... The Philippian jailer asked Paul and Silas the most important question a man can ask. He said, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved from the judgment of God? What must I do to be saved from the penalty of sin? What must I do to escape being separated from God forever and ever? And the answer was simple. The answer back then is the same answer as it is today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. 
It's Jesus that makes the difference. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by him. If you're here this morning, I want, I, 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 this is the good news. This is, this is what the gospel is all about. There is one that stands in the gap. There is one that will keep the judgment of God from pouring out on you and I as sinners. And that one is the Lord Jesus Christ. If we put our trust in him, he'll save us. He'll save us. But you know, there's something else in the gap. This church stands in the gap. This church can't do anything to save anybody. But this church can point to the one that does. That's why we meet like this. That's why we get together on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. That's why we have services like this. So that we can point people to the one that can make a difference. So that we can point people to the one that stands in the gap. So that we can point people to the one that can save us and them from the judgment of God. That's why we have church. That, 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 that's why we invite people to come. Hey, that's why we're building that new building over there. I want to tell you something. If we were building a new building just to build a new building, we wouldn't have done it. Because it's a lot more of a... It's, it's a pain sometimes. I don't know about you, but it's a pain for me. There, there's a lot of things that I'm doing now that I didn't do three months ago. And I wouldn't do it just to build a new building. But I would do it. So that we can have room to bring more people into this place and point them toward the Lord Jesus Christ. That makes it all worthwhile. Everything that we've had to go through and everything that we're going to have to go through before we get done. We wouldn't do it just so we could say, hey, look at this new building we got. We do it so that we have room to point men and women and boys and girls to the one that can save them from hell. That's why we pray for lost people. Pick up one of our prayer sheets on the back table. The, the, the list at the very top is for those for salvation. People's friends, people's family that need to know Christ. We have people that every day lift those folks up in prayer to God. Begging the Holy Spirit not to quit wooing them. Begging the Holy Spirit not to give up. Begging the Holy Spirit to keep calling them to the Lord Jesus Christ. This church stands in the gap. And by the way... There were people in your life that stood in the gap for you. For me, it was a grandma who took her pointed finger like this and shook it in my face and said, Daryl, you're a sinner headed for hell unless you get saved. This is my sweet, dear old grandma calling me a sinner, telling me every chance she got that I was going to hell. She stood in the gap for me. I wouldn't be saved. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for her. And there was probably somebody like that in your life. Somebody that stood in the gap for you. Somebody that said, I don't want want my loved one. I don't want my sister. I don't want my brother. I don't want my parents. I don't want my child. I don't want my grandchild to die and go to hell. I'm going to stand in the gap for them. I'm going to be that one that, that gives them a way of escape by appointing them to the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation that he offers. Thank God for people that stood in the gap for us. Thank God for their willingness to stand in the gap and share the gospel and make known to us the way of escape that God offers to every person. Listen, I know most of us here this morning are Christians. 
There may be some that are lost. And again, if you're lost today, I pray before this service gets over, you'll come to Jesus Christ for that way of escape from the punishment of your sin. But most of us are Christians. And so I close this morning with this question. Who are you standing in the gap for? Who, who, who are you standing in the gap for? Is it a member of your family? Is it your spouse? A child? A parent? A grandchild? I dare say that every person in this room that's a Christian has a member of their family, maybe close, maybe distance, that's still lost in their sin, still headed for hell because of their sin. You need to stand in the gap for them. You need to tell them about the Savior. You need to pray for their salvation. You need to witness to them every time you can. They have a never-dying soul that one day is going to go to heaven or hell. They need somebody to stand in the gap for them and point them to the only one that can make a difference, the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you in that gap? If not, why not? Again, I dare say that somebody stood in the gap for you. Somebody stood in that gap that made known to you the way of escape that God had to escape the punishment of sin. Somebody needs for you to do that for them. For them. God says, I sought for a man to stand in the gap. I would have saved my people. I wouldn't have poured out out my punishment upon them if I would have found somebody. But he said, I found none. I found none. One of the things I pray two or three times a day is, God, help me never be responsible for somebody going to hell because I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Help me never be responsible for somebody ending up in hell because I didn't say a word for my Savior or I didn't preach the way I should or I didn't do something else. My testimony, they saw something in my life that turned them away from Christ. I want to I be that one that stands in the gap. I want you to be that one that stands in the gap. People are dying. People that we love, people that we know, they're dying. I, I've, been, I, 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 I've been pastor here. For almost 28 years, I've buried old people. I've buried young people. I've buried teenagers. I've buried babies. We don't know the day of death for anybody. All we have is today. All we have is now to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've never received him, would you today? Would you? And if you're a Christian, maybe you need to make a new vow today. God, I'm going to be that gap filler. I'm going to stand in the gap for the one I know is headed for hell. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the precious message that you are looking for people to stand in the gap so that you can avoid pouring out your judgment. I pray we would be those people. Thank you for sending Jesus to stand in the gap for us. Thank you that his death on Calvary and the shedding of his blood was sufficient to pay for our sins. Thank you for those people that you put in our life that directed us and pointed us to him, our gap fillers. We thank you for them, Father. And I pray that you would help us do for others what somebody did for us to stand in the gap.
Father, please bless this invitation. Again, if there's somebody here that doesn't know Christ, help them to come on the very first verse that we sing so we can take the Bible and show them from the Bible how to ask Jesus to be their Savior. I pray for the many Christians that are here. Speak to our heart, Holy Spirit. Convict us where we need to be convicted. And we'll give Jesus all the glory. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.